Leadership is not management. The leader is the one who climbs the tallest tree, surveys the entire situation, and yells, wrong jungle. But how do the busy, efficient producers and managers often respond? Be quiet. We're making progress. Some frequently given advice when choosing an endocardial ICD lead is consider how you would explant that lead if needed. This is really good advice, but it doesn't address the larger issue. Do you really need a lead in the heart to begin with? Hi there, I'm Wyatt Stahl, and I'm here to reveal what SICD technology is, where it's headed, and most importantly, why you should be paying attention. Please come along as I learn with principal researchers, examine recent studies, and follow the science to get you straight to the heart of this exciting technology. This is Leading the Charge. Many EPs have spent considerable time to master the techniques of explanting an ICD lead. How about mastering the technique of not implanting an electrode in the heart or chest cavity? So I think implant technique is really important for the efficacy. That was Dr. Knops again. He was the principal investigator for the Praetorian trial. He's the first to admit that learning a new implantation technique didn't come without a few bumps in the road. One of the first patients I enrolled in the Praetorian trial, the actual first patient was explanted two days later because of a failed DFT. That's a crossover to the other study arm and a complication in the, uh, in the SICD arm. And when I look at the chest x-ray now with the knowledge I have today of how I implanted the device, there was much too much fatty tissue under the coil. There was clearly a lot to be learned with regard to implant technique. And that was in the beginning of my learning curve. And with hindsight, I really think that by repositioning the device and the lead of the patient, we could have still helped him with the SICD. Now, should an EP be afraid of a bumpy path to mastering SICD implantation? Well, Dr. Michelle Morawski, the creator of the original AICD, was quoted as saying, those are not bumps in the road. That is the road. Implanters in this study had much less experience implanting SICD than transvenous ICDs. So almost 60% of the physicians had implanted less than 70 SICDs in their career, while more than 80% had implanted more than 70 transvenous ICD devices in their career. So that is a real difference in experience implanting the devices. There's a learning curve and a lot of transvenous device doctors have implanted thousands. And I, I realized that I only really truly learned how to implant an SICD after having done over a hundred. From a clinician standpoint, when there is less confidence in a particular technology, one versus another, there's a requirement for them to really do that vigorous study and understanding. So there's work to be done. And this is not a device that you can implant straight off when you do your first case, but implant technique is important. We've now reached a point in the SICD implantation technique where training individuals and learning that technique can be done reliably and consistently. So this is something I have learned and we've worked really hard in uh, trying to teach uh, our learnings to other physicians as well. We actually formed a new Praetorian trial where we claim that, that you can evaluate the three most important factors 
of implanting an SICD, and that is one, fat under the coil, two, fat under the device, and placing the device three, posterior enough uh, behind the mid-axillary line. And if you encounter these three factors in your implant technique and you really try and evaluate your chest x-ray after your implant, in a few cases, you'll stop making those mistakes and you'll have almost always perfect implant scores. All of us learn by mistakes. The question is, do we learn from our mistakes or do we also learn from the mistakes of others? Listening to seasoned SICD implanters like Dr. Knops enables us to take advantage of their hard-earned knowledge and move up the learning curve more quickly. If you want to place the device in a good posterior position and still stay on the chest wall, then you encounter two muscular structures, the, the serratus and the latissimus dorsi muscle. And if you want to get on the mid axillary line or preferably a little bit posterior to that, you always have to end up in between those uh, muscular layers. So that is important. That's the intermuscular position. And in very rare cases, it is necessary mostly for cosmetic reasons. If you go fully submuscular, that means that you want to implant the device under the serratus anterior, which is quite a difficult technique because you are really on the chest wall, on the white of the ribs. That is, in my opinion, only necessary for patients with a very low BMI where you want to have a, a good cosmetic outcome. Just an intermuscular technique to go on or posterior to the mid axillary line and with can position, you're in a good spot. When we think back to that leader who surveys the entire situation and yells, this is the wrong jungle, that leader is also guiding us to what direction we could go for a better result. So with the SICD, given the wealth of information we now have about this device, the question is what direction will you choose to go to best serve your patients? Thanks for listening to this episode of Leading the Charge. Next time on the season finale, we'll look ahead to what the future might hold for SICD technology and what that means for an implanter like yourself. But for now, that'll about do it. Thanks for joining me in Leading the Charge. I'm Wyatt Stahl. Until next time. For more information regarding the SICD and its indications for use, please visit bostonscientific.com SICD. For more information regarding SICD and its indications for use within the European Union, please visit bostonscientific.eu slash s-icd.